0: This is an AMI podcast. Hey, welcome along to another episode of Double Tap for Saturday, the 1st of July, 2023. Coming up this hour, I sit down with Vespero's Vice President, Matt Ater, to talk all things CES, JAWS kiosks, and artificial intelligence.
1: You're listening to Double Tap, your daily accessible technology show. Now, here's your host, Stephen Scott.
0: Just little old me, but uh, hopefully an interesting conversation for you today because I caught up with Matt Ata from Vespero. He, as I say, is their vice president, and he's also just taken on the role as a board member at the Consumer Technology Association as well as the chair of the Consumer Technology Association Foundation. We're going to find out what all that means today. And also, we're going to learn more about his experience at CES, the consumer electronics show that wrapped up recently in Las Vegas. Uh, we chatted for quite some time, and I thought today we'd uh, give you a chance to hear that conversation. So here is me talking to Matt, and I started by asking him why he was in New York.
1: So uh, for the last several years, we've been going to a, a, well, pre. we started pre-COVID, so let's just say there's always a gap when you say COVID, right mm-hmm. um but we started going to a show called the um national retail federation show and and some would sh- shorten it to nrf and um this is the 2023 show and it's you know basically tech for retail and so you you know, you're basically showing off your goods um uh, side by side with you know big manufacturers of technology for retail, and you know the different um, companies that you know are in the retail space are there walking through, looking at the latest tech, and mm. and it's 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 weird. It, the kinds of companies who are coming by could be anybody from like a Coca Cola to a um, uh, a restaurant, which this is not their show. They also have a restaurant show in in May that will be at, um, uh, poorly named NRA, <laughs> <laughs> <Dear>. um, National <laughs> <Dear>. Restaurant Association. <laughs>
0: uh, you're going to get but, a lot of uh, people buying tickets for that who are you know going to be deeply disappointed. The wrong show, yeah.
1: right, You're at the wrong show. <laughs> but. Um, and we're we're showing off um our latest um jaws for kiosk software that's designed for android so
0: yeah um, and i wanted to ask you about this because i remember meeting your team in at, at ces actually um which is also just wrapped up uh, back in 2019 in fact no, sorry, I beg big about 2020 i always say 2019 for some reason 2020 was the one i went to and you guys were there and you were showing this kit and it was incredible then it really was. And I guess that the challenge has been just, I guess, refining the hardware and the software and then getting it into companies, um, your hands essentially so that they could start implementing it and you've had success with that already.
1: Yeah. I mean, obviously, um, you know, you can never um, complain when your one of your biggest successes is McDonald's, um, in the United States. It's, it's not gone worldwide yet, but the, um, So from that perspective, yeah, we've done really well. It's tens of thousands of units, not just at McDonald's, but other locations around the United States. Um, There's a couple of things that are worldwide, and those will be found in cruise ships that are under the Carnival brand, um, which include, you know, uh, Holland America and some others. Um, But the, you know, the kiosk space, the challenge in self-service isn't, that there's not technology to solve the problem the problem is getting the vendor to understand the need yeah um and you know there's a it, there's multiple ways of of how a, a vendor chooses to do it but it's it's not going to be the one selling it to the customer it's got to be the buyer the end customer who needs to decide that they need to require it. and this is no different than anything you and I talk about about web accessibility or whatever. I mean, if you don't make your website accessible, that's the choice of not necessarily the person who's implementing your website, it's the choice of the company to say, I buy in uh-huh. and I'm gonna mandate it. Um, because if you don't mandate it and you don't put those requirements and no one's gonna do it, and the same thing falls into self-service.
0: Now look, we're kind of assuming here, and I'm leading this and I'm I'm doing a terrible job. I am a terrible person, Matt, but you know that. Um, Tell us for people who don't know what Jaws Kiosk is.
1: Yeah, so Jaws for Kiosk is um, a in in the um, Windows and Android environment um, is a software application that is taken the the roots of what Jaws are and slimmed it down for a lockdown customized environment so that a person who's blind or low vision can. Use self service devices. And so, if you walked up to a restaurant and um, you find yourself that the only way to order your food is to touch a screen or to use a keypad, um, if there's a headphone jack and the company's um, uh, implemented JAWS, you could plug in your headphones and away you go. Now, you'll find a lot of companies have implemented the keypad in the headphone jack, but then never thought about the accessibility of adding a screen reader, they just said, oh, I'll cover my basis by just plugging in this keypad and, and then everything, everybody's happy. Mm. Yeah. And And, and and we're, we're beyond now big touch screens, which is what, you know, a McDonald's may have or a, or a Dunkin' Donuts or someone like that. We're down to like screens that are no different than taking your TV and flipping it on the side, like a smaller TV, right. Um, Flipping it on its, on its end. And so it's a vertical more like a eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper. Um, Now then you can go to um, think of all the uh, point of sale systems we use to check out or to pay our bill. You're at a restaurant in um, uh, the UK or in in Europe and you, uh, you know, in the U S you'd hand them your credit card. They'd go in the back and run your credit card and come back and probably buy something on the internet. (laughs) Um, in Europe, they bring you the thing to your desk or to to the table and and you insert the card yourself. Yeah. But you can't use it if you're blind or visually impaired. No. And then then it's actually getting worse here
0: because we're moving away from chip and pin to these touchscreen devices, which is even worse.
1: Yeah. I mean, and I'll tell you, I'm, um, after being skimmed recently on a credit card at a a, um, gas pump, um I'm into the tap. Like just let me tap my credit card because yeah. it's way safer than the 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 concept of sliding it into a machine.
0: Is that not um, is that still not rolled out as as well in America as it is in other countries because it always feels to me that the way you, that you guys talk about it compared to here which is is everywhere here. I mean for me it's Apple Pay. I use Apple Pay for pretty much everything.
1: Yeah, um Apple Pay is not everywhere here. Um, it really depends on the vendor or, or even Google pay. Um, um, I, and I'm fine with that method too, but I, then I may have to set up another card for my, my business card. Right. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah. It's not ideal for every, I, I'm not still every just bank fascinated. supports it. I'm still fascinated that I, I show up to this hotel and, and they ask me to insert my card. I'm like, wait a second. I put it online. You have it. Why do I have to insert I know? <laughs> why like, do they do that? I know. It makes no sense. You've makes got no the details.
0: Yeah. It's still, it's still, it's, it's so strange, isn't it? In some ways, retail is is far ahead, and the banking sector has moved on, and we see really great and secure ways to be able to, you know, conduct our banking, to conduct our payments. But it, it just seems to be that the it's the vendor that always is the problem. Now, going back to kiosk, you're having this issue as well, I guess, with kiosk, and that is explaining to it, I guess, making businesses understand the need here. So what is your pitch to businesses? How do you do it? Do you say, look at McDonald's, look at what they're doing, look at you know, celebrity. Yeah, businesses? I mean, that
1: could be that that could be an example. I think, you know, in reality, it's it's about doing the right thing. And it, it's probably the same speech we talk about when it comes to making your website accessible. It's, you know, we there's a billion other users out there who can't use your technology if we're not planning for it. Yeah. And, you know, they have spending power of seven trillion dollars. And, and why aren't you caring? right? And that's really the message that you can really use with folks. And, you know, big companies get it. Um, I think that EU accessibility laws are going to force it. You have um, countries like South Korea that are enforcing um, kiosk accessibility by the end of 2023. Um, That's the first country that's totally done it. Um, In the United States, um, the uh lawsuits still drive decisions um unfortunately you see um uh healthcare um issues when you you know you go and you want to get your blood taken and you got to use a kiosk just to check in it makes no sense that's right, right yeah um but there's you go and get your blood taken there's not a uh person behind a counter this is just a waiting room and then they come out and call your number right it's you know, it's not like, um, there's a counter you can go up to, you know, a nurse comes out cause they, there's barely staffed, right. They're staffed with nurses to take your blood and that's it. Yeah. And so, um, there's two kiosk companies under lawsuit right now in the United States on this topic, because, you know, you could go in a waiting room and wait like five hours for somebody to take your blood because you never checked in. Yeah, which makes no sense. You
0: should come to a British hospital, Matt. You can wait five hours just to be just to be told you are not getting in.
1: <laughs> what happens if you if you if you are dripping blood? They still wait five it, hours. It doesn't make
0: any difference. No. Maybe someone from the blood bank should be there to to sort of catch the blood as it drips. Maybe they could join the services together. That would be a good no, idea.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you you think about the 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 innovations going on in in I am um, going to call it self service, which is probably more of what they would call it than than kiosk kiosk is the hardware but the you know the concepts are self-service yeah i saw i saw a a uh self-service checkout that you'd see at a grocery store or a or another retail um facility where you walked up and and one of the buttons on the screen was face pay by face right and so that means it's it's like you never have to pull your card out and stuff like that which is (laughs) <laughs> Pretty crazy, right? We're getting to work into that. Um, and the machines are doing so many cool things from like, you know, there's machines, there's there's the concept in in. and I don't know if you have this in the, in the rest of the world, but in the US and in the Amazon stores where you scan your phone phone when you go in the store and you never scan another thing. Yeah, you just pick you it put, up and put it in the basket. You, you put it in the basket and you walk out.
0: Yeah. I mean, it, it's like it, it's like a trial for a shoplifter,
1: you know. Paradise, isn't it? It's,
0: if you want to steal well, stuff, I, this is where you go and you can go and practice because you can literally put things in your basket
1: and walk out the door. Walk
0: uh, out although the- you do, you pay for it, so it's like an ethical shoplifter,
1: right? It's ethical and and dangerous too if you don't know what you're doing. I mean, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. But I,
0: I, I want to you know I want to talk to you about a lot of things here, Matt, because there's a lot going on, and the other big story for you. Um, at the turn of the year is that you've become the let me get this right you've become the chair of CTA that's the Consumer Technology Association is that right
1: um I'll clarify it so I'm the chair of the CTA foundation Got so you. okay so so for those who don't know CTA which is the Consumer Technology Association they rebranded themselves from the Consumer Electronics Association several years back because um you know it CES, which they kept that name and that brand is too big, but their associate, you know, the, the association that puts on CES was more than just electronics. And, you know, growing up, it was radios and TVs and things of that nature and sound, and that's still there, but they changed the brand of the, the org to CTA. So um, there, so with, uh, as the CTA foundation is an organization that funds grants for, Non for profits to work on technology issues for people who are aging or people who are disabled. And I joined the organization in 2016. Um, as a trustee, I became the vice chair a couple of years ago and now the chairman for the next two years. And, you know, it's basically, I'll be the, uh, I think, you know, the first person with a disability in the position of chair. Um, and there's lots of companies and organizations that are in the foundation uh, foundation as trustees who help res- you know review the different grant um uh things and and over the last couple of years the example of a grant would be um the challenges under covid with um not uh, you know people who are older not having connectivity to uh other people and so you know we would fund um training on using ipads or something like that for for older adults and they would set up training um remotely and they'd have video conferencing to teach them how to use the technology and to engage with others and try to uh, you know reduce the the social isolation that was happening during covid and and so that's an example and that's for older adults now there's other you know stuff we do for people with disabilities and that includes vision or other disabilities so one of them was a um some work done on uh um uh like a a, let's call it a an assistive technology bus for an organization that would go around and teach people about assistive technology and you know they covered a a state of um uh the united states to drive around and and educate people on different you know different technologies they could be using in their lives
0: yeah because we don't all live in big cities right so sometimes these services can get the technology in front of people who would otherwise never see it.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean it's it's easy if you're in a city like New York to find stuff. It's another thing if you're in rural areas of of a country. And so um so the foundation was designed to do that and it's and it's funded through um donations. It's funded through uh um CTA putting some money into it as well. And then as part of being the chair of the CTA foundation, I also get to be on the CTA's board of industry leaders, which is you know fifty some odd um, leaders um, of tech companies, and their CEOs or senior leaders within those organizations, CTOs and stuff like that, and that's incredible. So it, it's it's a great um, networking, relationship building um, opportunity to talk to tech firms at a different level than just marketing people. As you know, when you walk around through CES. You know, you spend a lot of time just talking to marketing people. Yeah. um, Or uh, booth for hire people that would live in Vegas, right? Yeah. Um, And probably know nothing about the product, but they (laughs) they can point you to the door. That's right. And so um, the- How does does the
0: foundation connect with- So you've got CTA Foundation, Consumer Technology Association Foundation, which you're the chair of, and then you've got the Consumer Technology Association. That's the organization that runs- CES, the Consumer Electronics Show. Right. So right. how do how do they connect together? How does that how does one play a part with the other?
1: Um, well, the, the CTA, for many years years ago, decided to set up the foundation because of the challenges with older adults and people with disabilities not getting access to technology. And um, so, you know, they created the foundation. Um, it has its own bylaws and everything like that, but housed in the the facilities of CTA and and partially funded by some of it through CTA. Um, So CTA also encourages through the foundation to do things like bring people with disabilities to CES to look at technology. Now, I bring this up because, you know, a lot of people think CES, oh, I just go. Well, you can't really just go. (laughs) You know, media gets to go. um, uh, People of corporations get to go. But individuals, it's not like, you know, go into one of our shows like you, um, go to, and I go to, it's not like you just go off the street. So there's opportunities through media and through other opportunities. And so, you know, we bring, um, 20 people with disabilities to, you know, walk the show, look at technology, um, provide feedback to companies, stuff like that. Um, so it's, it's just a, um, a way for CTA, um, to, set up, you know, originally set up the foundation just so that, you know, we can make sure that people aren't left behind in technology, which, you know, it's all done through either education of these companies or, you know, grants through these non-for-profits to, you know, create the technology or not create the technology necessarily, but to get the technology and the programs into hands of people with disabilities and people who are aging.
0: Now, am I right in saying that the CTA Foundation is also there to support people who go to CES? they will actually provide yes. guides and, and support yeah. for people.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that's, um, it's, that's a great system. I mean, cause I'll tell you, you, as you know, and we'll talk about CES in a second, but it's, it's a huge show. And, and in 2020, they had 180,000 people there. And, um i don't it's remember too what big.
0: The, it's too it, big it, there's two problems with CS, and now you're in charge of it all
1: matt i can tell no, you I'm this not. yeah you're running the, i've I'm decided in you're lately. in charge so uh, you know you, you can go back <laughs> and tell all these people not. this is I need to start this conversation over there's no chance i'm in charge of anything okay,
0: just to be clear. <laughs> listen i'm a married man i understand where you're coming from um but here's the thing i you know i think it's it's too big and it's too short. It could actually be a full week. It really could. I mean, I think everybody by the end of it would probably need to take a month off because it's so much that goes on at CES. But it, frankly, it could do with a few extra days, couldn't it? I mean, it's it's such an incredible event. I mean, you you've been more than once. I'm sure I don't I've want been extra once.
1: Because I'm tired by the <laughs> well, end. That's what I mean. I know it's it's um, a lot of
0: work, but you know, it could. It it just feels that you just can't get around it all.
1: Well, you have to plan. yeah um, oh, well, that's the first problem. The there's. <laughs> There's two big recommendations I have. One is to plan. So you go through the app, you f- locate companies, you do a lot of research on stuff you've seen in the media for the month leading up to CES. You search everything #hashtag CES. And second, you show up with four pairs of shoes. <laughs> <laughs> That's my second recommendation. That's a great suggestion. Yeah, and and the reason is your feet hurt. You yeah. seriously hurt. You thirty thousand steps is easy to do in a day yeah now the last thing i would say and i this is a recommendation to people who are blind or visually impaired the low vision is don't stay in a casino Um. not because i don't want you to lose your money gambling it's because it is so overwhelming yeah visually noise wise i i've been staying in um you know marriott properties or other hotels off um not in the casinos. So, and the benefit of that is you can get in and out of the, the hotel really easily. You can get your coffee really easily in the morning or breakfast. You can, you know, you're not in lines um, galore. Um, you're not getting lost in, um, you know, the Venetian shops, just trying <laughs> to get to the uh, um, exhibits. This was my problem. I stayed at the Luxor when I was there and
0: I didn't re- I couldn't understand why the lifts We're going diagonal. I thought I was inside Charlie and the Chocolate Factory for a second because (laughs) all of a sudden I'm going sideways in a lift and I I, I didn't think think that was even possible. And my room felt as if it was, and in fact it was, I timed it. It was like 27 minutes walk from the nearest cup of coffee. That's not good for anybody. I'll tell you what's even worse, when you get to your room and the key doesn't work and you've got to do that journey again.
1: Yeah, and um, they will not come help you. no. Because there's too busy back at the desk. And you could wait 30 minutes in the queue just to check in at a hotel, at a casino. Unbelievable. And so it, it really is a big recommendation is don't stay at a casino. It's it, The only casino that's worth staying at is the Venetian Palazzo because you are seriously in one of the exhibit halls by doing mm. that. But it's a massive building and you can get lost. And I would not stay in the Palazzo because it's not a straight shot, but I – and then the, the but you know if you want to get a Lyft or a um, uh, Uber or a taxi, Ubers and um, Lifts are you have to go to like parking garages to get them in That's these right. casinos, yes. yeah. and you have to find the parking garages and you have to find the area and you have to find at a hotel they just drive right up. You can reserve a guide, um, and if you don't know that ahead of time you can go to the there's an accessibility booth at the venetian and at the um uh las vegas convention center and you can reserve a guide during show hours to assist you through that kind of stuff and they don't um they'll help you get you know find the buses to go between the different locations they'll um help you read the map they they don't use the word guide they use the word reader because they're probably not trained as guides Mm. um so you'll have to spend a little bit of time teaching them sighted guide if you need it. Uh, but what they can do is read, you know, and, um, I've had this year was the first time I did not have the same reader cause he wasn't available. Um, but, uh, I brought my own and and had them work through the the guide program. Um, but the, I had had the same reader for uh, five years. And so he knew exactly what kind of stuff I wanted. He would, you know map it out the night before he you know and we became friends and so you know even though we didn't get to do it this year we were still texting and last time i think last year when i saw him he wasn't available but we had dinner um and so there's you know you build a bond with your guide if the guide's back every year and i know some others who have the same guide every year since the last five years so um and for people who are deaf and hard of hearing you know interpreting is also important as well of course yeah
0: I'm in conversation with Matt Ater from Vespero. Coming up next, we're going to get into the subject of artificial intelligence and how that can help blind and partially sighted people. And indeed the wider disabled community will get into that and more of his picks from CES. Matt Ater continues with us next here on Double Tap. This is Double Tap. Now, back to the show. And on The Weekend Edition today, you're listening to a conversation I had with Matt Ater, the uh, Sparrow Vice President, to talk about all things CES and uh, all the fun things he found there. Also, his role as CTA Foundation Chair and many other things as well. Uh, But one subject that came up at CES this year, and he actually hosted a panel on this particular topic, was artificial intelligence. And I uh, asked him, how that came about?
1: So there was um, I had three people with disabilities on stage. Um, uh, one from a a, a a product called Badger, and I'll come back to Badger in a minute. Uh, one from Cruise, self driving car, and one from Google, and all three folks had a disability. And the uh, gentleman from Google um, has is, is focused on the Google Map side. Where, you know, crowdsourcing is identifying um, things like ramps and, you know, he's in a wheelchair. So how does he locate ramps when he's, you know, in his chair and he's done it through making sure Google Maps provides that data? Um, And so the next was cruise. And you think about self-driving cars and all the things that AI is involved in self-driving cars today um you know cuz from object recognition to identifying if it needs to slow down to you know all of those kinds of things and how does that benefit a person with a disability um and you know she was also in a wheelchair and the the third product or or company the guy made Badger um he was deaf and hard of hearing or I shouldn't say deaf but hard of hearing and you know the challenges of of things like reading lips or captioning and he's got a badge around his neck that's auto um, captioning as he talks. And wow! As a digital badge, I had to put this. Yeah, this is a badge you wear, like any other badge. Yeah, but- yeah. And it's probably the size of a, it's probably the the size of a deck of cards. So it could probably be a little bit bigger, or maybe it's a little bit bigger, but it's probably about that size.
0: But it's relaying what he's saying to someone. Yep. Wow, that's incredible.
1: Yep. And he's thinking about it from like you know, he got into it because of his, his dad, um, was in the hospital and he couldn't communicate with nurses and things like that. Um, and with masks and everything else, it made it even harder if you could read lips. So, um, you think about that one product and people say, well, how is that AI? And it's, it's, it's all of the natural language processing that falls into that space. And so AI is weird to, you know, anybody, cause it's, it could be anything nowadays and if you, you i mean if you walked by a booth and they didn't have ai next to their name they they would say it in their speech because that's just <laughs> right i mean everything's AI now, yeah <laughs> i mean it, i mean some of the stuff we do in jaws has ai in it i mean mm. it does it's the the processing of of um uh the speech uh, the the, the voice assistant is I'm not going to say their names cause I don't want to talk right now, but you know, that's, that's AI related. It's, um, some of the stuff we do with when we do OCR, we're going to the cloud and an OCR of an image. And, and that's, some of that's AI. If you do the, um, conversion to a language, some of that's AI because you're pulling all this from data sources that are others and stuff like that. So it, you know, People can go crazy with the word AI. That's the, the one thing I'll say. And it, it, does everything have AI? I don't know.
0: So what else was on show at CES? Did, what, did you get much of a chance to go around and look at anything else? I did.
1: And and I'll say this. like, There's an overall theme that people think we're going to run into stuff. <laughs> so <laughs> there's a lot of tech out there to help us not run into stuff. Stop walking
0: okay. into things
1: and here's how. And, and to be honest, as a low vision person who's torn his cornea twice walking down the sidewalk, you know, because a tree poked me in the eye Mm -hmm. i get it right wouldn't it be nice because i you and i both don't see well either you know and so when you're walking down the street and you don't see it and we know what a cane covers but we also know that a cane doesn't cover anything above you know your waist yeah and so i get the concept the the question is is when all of these people are building things are they incorporating people who are blind as they're designing it or developing it, or are they just doing it out of the goodness? Right. Yes. And so there was one um, I saw last year and I, I think I did a TikTok on it last year. It's called biped and uh, um, a Swiss company. And the Swiss each, you know, kind of country in the, in the Eureka park has um, a bunch of countries have their own little section of Eureka park and, Swiss had a section. And so I tried the biped last year and it basically, it's a shoulder kind of lays around your shoulder, um, on your shoulders and comes across your chest a little bit. And on one side would be a cameras, um, and the other side would be the computing power. And, you know, it's recognizing objects that are in your way and your path. And, again some ai involvement here because it can tell when it's a car versus a person and it gives different tones in your ear and you're wearing um bone conducting headphones and and last year the tones were like what you would use for um a uh, uh ear um testing like your hearing testing they were dreadful they were like those high pitched you know like tones that you could, mm-hmm. you know what I'm talking about yep yep well this year they Horrible. were using more modern tones cuz i gave them feedback last year on that would I wear one of these things? I don't know. I mean, I guess, you know, this is this is the challenge when people are building tech for the blind. Are they building something that is functional for what they're building? but Or can they make it smaller and, and less obtrusive? Like, I wouldn't wear this around, right? And, and yeah. probably most of these products, as I talk through them, there was a company. It, so this one would beep if objects are in your way. There was a Hong Kong startup, which I don't know the name of. Um, and it probably, you know, this, I can mention the product in a year from now and it could be gone or it could be actually reformed and whatever. Mm-hmm. So, cause it, I, you mentioned this on a previous podcast that you did with Mark about products come and go. Right. Yeah. And yeah. so this is in the startup section. So this Hong Kong company had a belt version. Um, now you wouldn't run it through your, um, loops of your pants cause otherwise your pants would fall down. It was so heavy. Um, But it had haptics on both hips, and the camera was um, in front, and then the computing power is in the back. And when you it found objects in your way, it would vibrate on the side of the hip that it wants you to turn in that direction. So it was a little different. The other one would beep to say objects are in your way. This one's telling you to turn the direction of the tone or the the vibration. And so that was kind of interesting. Again, collision, right? Yeah. Um, and this one you're wearing on your belt, so it's it's doing stuff below and above. Um, and I think the other one was doing below as well, but I don't know how far um, in distance. Um, there was a company um, called Lighthouse Tech, also from Switzerland. Um, they were doing it in sunglasses. Now, as a person who has some vision. I struggle when I have to wear sunglasses or any glasses because they sometimes also get in the way of my vision. Um, and I don't know yeah. if you wear glasses, but there's- That's
0: interesting. I, well, I, I wear glasses only for the only for the reason to avoid my cornea being ripped out at any given second. So,
1: so you're the same where I should be wearing glasses, right? Yes. So, but do you wear clear ones or do you wear sunglasses? Uh, well, mainly, well,
0: always sunglasses when I'm out, just purely because of my light sensitivity.
1: Okay, got it. Yeah, Even at yeah. night. And this is the challenge with all of us. We're also you know, different the, in that. Yeah, I know. We're also it, different. It, we talk about um, – when I talk to different companies, I, I I kind of have the challenge of struggle – the struggle of trying to help them understand that vision loss is so broad and the different disabilities that affect uh, – the different conditions that affect vision loss are so different that you can't just loop us all together and just say, oh, everybody needs this and so but the, the these glasses were cool because they um they did haptics to indicate if an object was coming from that direction, and so whereas the other haptics on the hip was telling you to turn that direction, these were um vibrating to let you know objects on your left and objects on your right or an object straight ahead yeah and um and as somebody who lives in a house where you know my kids leave the cabinets open all the time when they're home, mm. you know, I kind of appreciate the, I always have to like first check the room before I do anything. Cause I can, you know, be blindsided, no pun intended on the left side because I don't see out of that eye. Right. Yeah. Um, and the right eye is tunnel vision. So I barely see out of that eye. Right. And so the glasses were kind of cool. Um, you know, they, they're going to have to make it easy for people. They're, they're still prototypes. Um, but they're going to have to make it easy for somebody to, uh adjust the intensity level because i found them too intense in my case um i need a little lighter notification not just my whole head vibrating um, yeah. <laughs> well when so i read I about
0: these i must admit uh, um, and we do have an interview with them coming up soon and i did put this to them what is the other option here because and, and apparently they're working on this where they're working on through feedback like that you know they they're saying well a lot of people don't want to feel that that on their face. I, I don't know how comfortable that would be. I just, I guess I just don't want to be zapped as I'm walking along the road because there's so much information you're, you're picking up and you're processing. And I don't know about you, but my, my head is buzzing most of the time. If it's not because of the... I mean, especially if I go to, say, I was talking about this with a friend the other day, going to a mall, it's just not an enjoyable experience because of loud music, usually heat, um, crazy amount of light just flying around from all over the place people darting about all over yeah, the place and yeah, and yeah. all you're seeing all I'm seeing from that is just endless blur and movement and and I don't know if I'm walking into someone or walking through someone or what I'm doing and if this how is this thing going to manage all that because if it's just going to add an extra layer of buzzing on top of that just to tell me that there's this chaos in front of me it's not going to work
1: yeah i mean you know- I think we can't take away the still the needs of our other tools. And so you have to bring the intensity level down on some of these things. Um, Yeah. I don't know. We'll have to see where all this tech goes. Right. But it's, but collision protection was definitely on on show at this show. You know, they were thinking, Oh, we're all going to run into stuff a lot. Now uh, there was another company who had, um, uh, there was a couple of devices that were kind of trying to fill the gap of, of what we already have in OrCam and, and Vision glasses. Um, uh, you know, one uh, was called Celeste and. Yeah, Canadian uh, company. Yeah. 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 I think it's Vancouver. Um, the, you know, they're cool. I, I, I'll be interested to see how, over time, are there lens? Uh, the camera lens seemed to be too wide, not visually, but like it went too far wide. So I wanted to read a piece of paper, and it read the paper to the left as well. Right, and okay. Now, one of the challenges here is understanding that because I have some vision and I see out of my right eye, I turn my head that direction to look at – turn my head to the left to look at something. So then the camera is catching stuff to the left. And is that a good thing? I don't know. Mm. Well, you know? And, and also, so
0: an interesting example of this is my wife who, um, she has one eye and the other eye is artificial. And as a result of that and the nature of the condition she has, she tends to, when she talks to you to see you, she will turn her head because that's the only way she can see you um, with the limited vision she has in that eye. So, you have this position or this problem where any device like Orcam or anything that requires you to look straight ahead at something, she's not looking straight ahead because for her to look straight ahead to it, she has to turn her head. And the camera in the device can't figure that out. Right. And right. that's another problem with this. You know, again, you're looking at a, a solution which is built with one, you know, concept in mind that if you're looking ahead at something, then you're looking at it. But that's not the case for many blind people. And lots of blind people to do And I think I'm the same. I I'm I tend to have this null point thing with my nystagmus, where the only way I can get some relief from it is to turn my head way off to the side. And you know that means that if I'm using a device like that, it's not going to pick up on it. And that's a problem.
1: Yep, Yeah. And I think this is the challenge that all startups are going to have. They have to figure this out over time. They're going to have to do it through user studies. The challenge, I think, sometimes that we have with um, inventors is they get over sensitive they get too sensitive about like some of the feedback, and I'm not saying it happened in this case. I'm just saying like in general like when i when I go out and talk to folks, they're like they've already figured out all this what they think they need to know, and they're not necessarily um the traditional um person who wants to get a lot I mean some do want feedback, others are like, we already know everything. Right. And so how do you get past that? Well, I, think, um, I think the truth
0: is though those companies will just disappear because if they're not willing to listen and they think they know it all then, and the community, look, let's be honest. A lot of the times when you're talking about this kind of stuff, you're talking a lot of money, you know, people are not going to spend. And if they do spend a lot of money on this kind of tech, they, you know, you can often tell how popular a product is in the blind world by looking at some of the, the, the sites where things are sold secondhand. And you can see the same product coming up time and, time and time and time and time and time again. And you think, well, that tells you all you need to know, right? No one's saying well, it, but that's I think, kind of showing what's going wrong.
1: Well, I think also, like, we all desire less expensive tech, right? We're in the blindness field. We get it. We would like less expensive tech. Yeah. The, str- the struggle we have is that, that um, we're such a small niche market that it's not cheap to build stuff for this market. And at the same time, it's hard to support. It's hard to maintain. Uh, you need representation out in the field. You know, you you know as well as I do, like if somebody comes, shows you the latest video magnifier, it's nice to bring it to your home and show it to you, right? Yeah. And it's not like you just buy it on Amazon and, and it works for you. Mm-hmm. You may have bought the wrong thing. And we can't do that when you spend $3,500 or $2,000 no. or even eight hundred dollars and so sometimes we're seeing new tech coming out that somebody says i'm just going to make it cheaper and easier for people to get access to it which i think is great concept until you realize how difficult it is to um support uh distribute um maintain you know there's a lot of costs that go into that and and i think that's where our industry gets um the The general quote unquote blindness industry gets frustrated is the the cost of Braille tech well, it's not cheap to make and it's not cheap to support it's not cheap to to do all the r and d i mean an r and d project for our technology could take two to three years whereas like uh, you know any of these big companies, the Sonys and Samsungs and stuff like that could do it in you know six months.
0: I tend to park Braille a little bit in that conversation, especially when you talk around cost and we talk around the issues of, um, you know, of specialist tech, shall we say, because I I think Braille is in a world of its own. And rightly so. I think rightly so. Because, look, it is what it is, and it's never going to be something that's used by the mainstream public. There's lots of things you can say, audio description to some degree, audio books, lots of things that can become mainstream and become very popular And therefore, the cost overall can come down for us. It's never going to happen with Braille. So, there has to be an expectation. And I think there's a discussion to be had. We had one of our listeners just get in touch with us recently to say, you know, how long is Braille sustainable in its current form? Is it ever going to become, you know, really sustainable to the point where, you know, more people can actually get access to it and use it? And I think that's a big.
1: I think our problem isn't um, the technology. Our problem right now is the education and the investment being made by education to, you know, get it in the hands of people. I agree. Because I think
0: if you if the kids don't learn it, yep. it, w- it won't have a future.
1: Yeah. And, and to be honest to should we be just focusing on carrying around a Perkins brailler anymore when they're, you know, they're boat anchors, right? And not yeah. to complain, but it's like, why are kids learning on that versus learning on digital braille or something like that? It does seem crazy um, in
0: twenty twenty three, doesn't it, that we're still using yeah. these things. I'm yeah. I'm I'm going through my grade two course at the moment. And, you know, I, I grade one, I'm fine, but grade two, I really need to, to knuckle down on. And yeah, my wife says to me every time, you know, tell me when you're doing this because I'm going to go out for a walk because I just can't listen to that thing. You know, she's literally in the room below me and she's all she's hearing above is, is a pneumatic drill typing out Bill and Jane notes, you know. this
1: is why you need to use the, you know, use a Braille display because you just type the word as you would... Um, you know, as you know it, and then it converts it, and you see it. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, because the back translation takes care of it. Yeah, exactly. Um, so some other some other kind of big things as you see the you know the big companies um, Panasonic
0: just, just before just before you do yeah, that, yeah. let me just pick you up on the the, the glasses thing. Um, no. Just just to bring you back on the the subject of glasses because I have a feeling that there's the you mentioned about the, the capability of companies being able to make this technology cheaper. And of course, it's, it's challenging, right? For OrCam, for Envision, for sure. ARX, for whoever it is, uh, Celeste, yep. the new player. Um, it's always going to be a challenge for them. The question is, when Apple delivers whatever it's going to deliver this year, and let's be honest, it's probably likely to be this year we're going to see whatever the, the version of, of Apple Glass is, is that going to kill off a lot of these projects and i don't mean just those kind of projects cuz i know we're talking here about vr ar headset but you know there's other projects as well like iris vision um e-sight i'm thinking about all those kind of projects as well is that going to really put a knife in those kind of technologies
1: so uh, the thing i'll tell you about every pair of glasses i saw at ces it's not about the the hardware it's about the software right um you know and do the in, and it's a software designed to meet the disabilities. And as someone who's you know taken something like Iris Vision and and taken it to a baseball game and a you know different sporting events, I love it, right, for that purpose. Now I look like a complete dork wearing this thing on <laughs> my head because I'm wearing VR glasses in a baseball stadium and people don't even have a clue, right?
0: But like, do you hold up your white cane and they all go, ah, it's okay, he's just
1: blind, he doesn't have a clue a what he's doing, yeah. Um. But it 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 immerses me in that experience, and and I like those kind of glasses because they bring it as close to my eye as possible. And I'll talk about some of those experiences. Um, when you look at this different tech, you know, I'm somebody who needs to be six inches from something to really get s- something out of it, mm. right? And when it comes to glasses, I need it on my eye, okay? Not not like wearing it, but then it when you look at it, it looks six inches away. I need it like right up against my eye, yeah. right? Yeah. And so some of the glasses like um like eSight don't work for my vision. But Iris Vision does. Um but Iris Vision is just a smartphone snapped into VR glasses. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's any smart you know it's not any but it's a it's a I think it's a Samsung smartphone. It's and maybe it's changed. I have the old pair S- snapped into Oculus gear and then software embedded in it to give you all the power that it gives you. And so the software is what gives that. So, you know, Apple's not going to give us the rich experience, in my opinion, that a low vision person needs. What they're going to give us is the hardware and potentially then can somebody build something around it. And so maybe it's all going to be based on those apps. So um, jumping to some of the other tech that I saw, I think, Mm. you know, And I'll say this in passing because I think it's important. One of the biggest areas of tech in this year is the -the over-the-counter hearing aids. And the reason for this is that CTA pushed um, with regulation to open this channel up. And, you know, for a long time, people in the United States, and I'm not sure what they cost over in in the UK, but it would pay $7,000 for a pair of hearing aids. And I'm saying this in quotes as somebody who's never bought hearing aids. Okay. So it's... just use that as a scale, and if somebody writes in and says mine were six thousand, I am sorry, I just saying yeah. it's it's a lot of money, yeah. right? And if we complain about what a video magnifier is, think what it costs for hearing aids, and think if you lost one, right? Mm-hmm. So it's
0: not like dropping um, an AirPod.
1: Yeah, exactly. Not like dropping an AirPod, but now the, every big company's in it. Sony, uh, you name it, they're in it. Okay, and so. um, you know, be, you know, watching out where this goes. It's, you know, these will start showing up in your retail stores. Um, you don't always have to, you don't have to go to an audiologist to get one. It's going to be the wild, wild west when it comes to this tech going forward. And so, um, you know, this will be an interesting play. I don't know if it'll affect the rest of the world, like it affects the United States in this case, or if it's already happened in the rest of the world. But this is a big play Um and you see big companies going after this market now because they see how how lucrative it can be there's 38 million people in the United States with with hearing loss I'm not sure the, what the world number is and again I could be off by a million so just round however direction people need to go
0: but it's going to go up isn't it with age and yeah. everything else and and you yep. know the
1: longer we yep. live um and see, you, and you see Apple recognizing this. There's settings in your phone to tell you if you've been wearing headphones for too long and stuff like that. So I mean, you're seeing a lot of of interest in in hearing. Um, going back to vision, um, you had Panasonic. They're working with a company out of um, Spain to work on some glasses again, uh, recognition of images and things of that nature. Uh, they they <laughs> I have to say, they say, the coolest thing, they say steampunk looking glasses as part of their tagline. So I got to love that. I mean, they got to be <laughs> cool looking, right? I don't know what that is. No, no, die. But It does sound <laughs> but, good. But now you got to look it up. And, and yep. uh, I think the company is called Beal. Um, and it's a startup out of um, Spain. The um, Samsung is working on something that I will do my best to pronounce. Uh, I don't know if you've already seen this. Um, And it's called uh, Relumo Mode. Oh, yes, Um, yes. This is on televisions. Yeah, this is going to be on TVs. All the new TVs will have it from Samsung. And I think some other companies are playing in this space too. And this is supposed to enhance the images or things you see by outlining it with an edge. So there's like a thin black line around, you know, things on the screen to kind of just bring them more clearly in front of you. Mm -hmm. Now, as a person who's 2600 tunnel vision, I walked up to the screen and the guy goes, no, you got to back up to get this full, you know. (laughs) <laughs> full, full uh <laughs> view of this and i'm like no you don't understand i'm low vision i actually want to use this but i need to get closer and so this was always the fun part of trying to help you know somebody in a booth understand yeah. that like you know how close i need to be really close to see it i couldn't see the difference right i'm going to tell you that and that now, this
0: is on this is on the image on screen this isn't like a yes. menu system thing yeah yeah
1: this is the images on screen right yep and so, so um, it's the outline of a character or the outline of Right. Okay. Yeah. And the, you know, the, so just keep that in mind that like it's all, all of this is going to depend on your vision loss, right? So please don't go out and buy a Samsung TV tomorrow. This isn't a plug to say it's going to work for your vision loss. I'm saying if you want to go buy one, buy one, but don't tell me, don't, I'm not <laughs> don't saying it's going Matt. to solve your vision loss. Okay. <laughs> I think we'll make that um, a
0: hashtag. Don't blame Matt. Yeah. Don't blame Matt. Okay, we're not going to blame you, Matt, but we are going to thank you for giving us your time. I really do appreciate Matt uh, Ata giving us his time this week and uh, really telling us what's going on at CES from that accessibility point of view. There's a lot of uh, great products in there that you're not going to hear about in the mainstream news and the mainstream tech news especially so really glad matt was able to help us out with that uh, that's it for today thank you so much for listening and don't forget you can uh, email us feedback at doubletaponair.com. you can call us on one 803 4567 leave us a voicemail or you can find us across social media at double tap on air we're back again on monday have a great weekend